Greetings, Evil Boy Genius here, and welcome to another episode of the Off The Tools Collective podcast, the podcast for smart subcontractors sick of being ridden ragged by douchebag penny-pinching clients. Bottom line is this, if you're selling shit to the domestic market, fitting bedrooms, bathrooms, or kitchens, or balls deep in extensions and renovations, and you want to attract the best clients on demand, sell to them way above market rates, and have it all happen hands-off on an autopilot so you ain't stuck to your phone like a cold-calling cockwomble, then put your feet up, pin your ears back and pay attention for the next few minutes and then take action because this shit will not do itself. Take it away boys. So fucking hell, what a day. What a day. What a day. What a day. Yeah, we're talking to Holly on the, uh, this, this is not really for Connor because he was there, but for, for you listeners, we're going to dive in right at the beginning. Going fucking deep, you know. This is not. This is no foreplay here. We're going straight for the main thrust. We were talking to Holly, and she was listening to uh, yesterday's podcast where she heard us talk about the fucking pound shop. And she was telling us she went into the pound shop in Loughborough with her friend last weekend, and they were selling. This is a pound shop. They were selling fucking dildos in a pound shop for Valentine's in the Valentine's Island. Can Can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine what kind of chab buys his girlfriend? One who buys his girlfriend a dildo. For Valentine's, because I mean, even the, the most sexual of women are not going to appreciate that particularly. Not not as the main present, you know. The main present is a dildo. <laughs> I'm sorry, my dick's not enough. He's a one yeah, pound dildo. Yeah, I mean, it's just not. I mean, women even say even the most sexual of women like a bit of fucking romance, and a dildo from a pound shop ain't one of them. Is <laughs> not it? You know. <laughs> Like, can you imagine? No, no, never mind the fact it's a fucking dildo from a pound shop. But <laughs> the kind of people who go into pound shops and finger those fucking dildos. Are you really going to stuff them at your fucking girlfriend's family? Well, I've seen you put your fucking tongue, goddammit. Oh, my God. There's so no. much to unpack. First and yeah, foremost. Exactly. <laughs> there's so much to unpack. First and foremost, I like how Holly started the story when she told it earlier. I was in Poundland and she was trying to play it all cool. Like, I didn't yeah. want to be there because she knows what we're like. And, uh, and then she was like, and I just stumbled across these yeah. dildos. I was <laughs> like, hang on a minute, Holly. How many coincidences are there? I found myself in a pound shop and I just found myself in a dildo aisle. Yeah, it's, like, it's like my mate Dev, who's a doctor, he says when he was an intern working in A&E doing his rotation, he would get people come in with things stick up their arse, you know. Like, I was doing the vacuuming in the nude and I slipped and fell on the plunger, the sink plunger. Oh, yeah, right. So this is Holly. I just happened to be in the pound shop in the dildo aisle and I noticed these pink super mambo dildos that were purple, actually, were only £4.99, so I bought three. You know? The vibration's quite good. I mean, apparently. So my friend, my friend said, <laughs> yeah, "Yes, Holly. Friend. I mean, I'm your dad. I don't want to be hearing about your fucking dildos. Thank you." Uh, but here's the thing: it, it, I mean, it's a really good example of how premium pricing can work. I mean, these dildos. I mean, it was a pound shop that Holly said these dildos were about a fiver. I mean, I'm still not impressed by a five pound dildo. That's <laughs> right. I actually got my friend to Google the most expensive <laughs> sex toys in the world, right? And here we've got the most expensive one is a Pearl Royale vibrator. This vibrator is one of a carefully curated luxury collection 
by Fornicari, an erotic art and adult, adult toy shop for the elite. It is made of solid platinum and bejeweled with pink and white diamonds, blue sapphires and South Sea pearls and is 1.3 million. You've got to sell a lot of fucking five pound fucking dildos from a power shop to make 1.3 million. Yes, I know the manufacturing costs of a platinum diamond encrusted dildo are quite high, but even so, you've only got to sell one of these fuckers and you've probably set up for the next couple of years if you're mm. a jeweler or something. Whereas to sell 250,000 dildos, it's a lot of fucking dildos. Imagine each one comes in a box, let's say, I don't know, foot long, whatever, and I don't know, nine inches long in the AB. That's a couple of fucking articulated lorries full of dildos, at least. Quarter of a million dildos. Yeah. Why do you even fucking store a quarter of a million dildos? <laughs> hey, Jerry, we've got a quarter of a million dildos coming in. Oh, fuck. Oh, just clear out the broom cupboard, shall we? Uh, and you I'm need... The logistics in shifting a quarter of a million fucking dildos. What's the margin on a five pound dildo? I don't know, should we ask Hollow? <laughs> a good three inches, she'll say. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Fucking 250,000 dildos. Oh, it's crazy. What are you writing down? Just making a note of 250,000 dildos because I can't quite believe the number myself. <laughs> what are you making a note of 250,000 dildos? Yeah, that's about right. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, ish. It's, 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 an, it's, it's within a few tens of thousands because there's the exchange rate and all that. It's 1.3 million at what point, not 1. Oh, you was getting all nerdy. Too high, but hey, who's going to argue over a few? Who's going to fall out of a few thousand dildos? Not me. Well, I tell you, there's some fucking cool stuff here. There's a fucking King Cobra penis ring, 183 grand. All right. There's a tally ho chair. 15 grand. What's a tally-ho chair? It's got fucking... It's, it looks like you strap a probably a woman into it and shag her. It's got stirrups and fucking bridal things. Pony so, play, I suppose. Apparently oh, it's fe- okay. featured in Fifty Shades of Grey. There's... Hang on. There's the Inez. £12,800. Lilo's Inez Vibrator. 24-carat gold. Been supported by Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm not even going to go there. Supported uh, by Gwyneth Paltrow. So it says. The Neil <laughs> Pleasure Vibrator. $13,400. Bethany Vernon String of Pearls Massage Ring. Massage ring? It gives you intimate massages. So I reckon it goes up. You put it on your finger, it goes up a fanny on your arsehole or something. That's five grand. The Lilo Earl Butt Plug. 2.2K. I tell you what, John, I'll just stick to my traditional fucking flowers and chocolate and a bottle of butter. I haven't finished yet, mate. I've got another couple yet. This toy is legit described as the most distinguished <laughs> oh, fucking hell, most distinguished gentleman's butt plug in the world. With an old gold covering and elegant accompaniments, you'd feel almost guilty sticking this up your pooper. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm not writing it. I'm just reading it. Oh, God. Male masturbation pitting ring, $1,386. Helps men masturbate by not just being an accessory, but also by harnessing your spiritual powers. What? It's something to do with fucking chi and chakras. And then the Fuji glass dildo, $1,200. And then, this is my favourite, and this is the, and it's amazing, right? Okay, this is one time I might be a price buyer because this is the cheapest of all, but it's still <laughs> fucking epic. It's $700. For $700, you can have the Moby Huge three-foot-tall super dildo. Three what you see is what you get. That's all that can be said for this monstrous creation. Useless in practical terms, but it's probably a fun prop to annoy your mates or ruin group photos. And it is a fucking big dude. It must be at least three-foot-tall. Wait, it says so anyway, three-foot, doesn't it? So anyway, the point is... <laughs> There are people out there who will spend a fuck of a lot of money on sex toys. Or you can go to a pound shop with Holly and get one for five quid. 
Oh I, I, just, I just report the news. I don't make it. This is fucking hilarious. I've, I've found somewhere that's uh, got a discount on the dildo, John. Uh, oh, so, no. 720 to 502. Not that big one. I'm pretty sure. I'll put it into the chat. It's, it's got a uh, got a lady next to it who yeah, is she's, in the she's nude. She's kind of crouched down, dark, dark haired lass. Yeah, in the nude. Oh, she's in the nude. Restraints.com. I don't think she's in the nude in this one. She's got her tits out, and then there's a blonde oh, lady no, she's with not, the she... dildo between her legs, and she's restrained. Oh, God. She ain't... Oh, I like those pictures much better than this one. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a uh, a black version of it, which looks a lot more realistic. Oh, right. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is the same picture, except except the picture I'm looking at is black. It's got a black dildo, and the woman's got a bra and panties on. Oh, God, no. There's a naked lady next to this dildo. And uh, also... Yeah, I'm looking now. I'm looking now. It's, right? it, the white one is sold out, but the black one's in stock. <laughs> I thought they said once you go black, you never go back. I don't have a fucking word with Drew about this. <laughs> Drew's, <laughs> Drew's one of our clients, if anyone's fucking... And it happens, and it happens to be black. <laughs> Just happens. I, I think they could have put two and two together. There. Oh, we don't know. People are pretty fucking stupid. Anyway, they stupid. are pretty stupid. Yeah, you know why say. people are sh- gone? I was going to say I could share my screen, couldn't I? No, because we can't put this on YouTube. We, we oh, wouldn't okay. be able to right. put it on LinkedIn. We... I was just about to share the screen and show you these naked ladies, these fucking huge dildos. But let's. <laughs> so the point is, as I just said. I mean, it's easy to go down the dildo rabbit hole, isn't it? Very. Very easy to go down the dildo rabbit hole. But the point is, you know, and, and this this is kind of tongue-in-cheek and it's a bit of fun, you know, you fucking huge dildos and things and sex toys. But it's true. There's there's quarter of a million dollar kitchens and there's probably thousand dollar kitchens. I don't know what the low end for a kitchen would be, but it wouldn't be very much. No. Um, I'll tell you what the low end for a kitchen would be. Low end for a kitchen would be my mate years and years and years ago, 30 years ago or more, he was really fucking strapped for cash. So he went and got some timber and then got a load of bricks off a landfill site, and he built his kitchen units out of bricks and timber, and then just put some cheap doors on them. It looked really nice, but it probably cost him oh, three or 400 quid, and it did the job, but it wasn't high fashion or anything else, you know? Or you can play, you could, I mean, there's probably no top end on a kitchen, not even in the no. UK. You know, you don't even have to go to the Amish. You, you, there'll be probably someone in the UK somewhere, somewhere, somehow, will probably do a million pound kitchen, I guess. I don't know. I'd imagine so. Now, so my question to kitchen fitters would be, okay, so maybe you don't want to go to the million pound kitchen because you could, but you don't want to because it, it requires perhaps too much commitment in terms of equipment, suppliers and all the rest of it. I get that. But, you know, why are you doing maybe a 5K kitchen when you could be doing a 20K kitchen? The difference in going from twenty from 5 to 20K is small. Going from 500K to a million is probably quite small as well, actually. <laughs> But my point is, you know, you don't have to be the number one, but you can be better than everyone else. You don't have to be doing the the 1.3 million dildo to be selling dildos for, you know, hundreds of pounds instead of five pounds in your local fucking pound shop. I found a million pound kitchen. Right. There you go. I haven't got a date on this. It says it's the first million pound kitchen and it's uh, designed by a famous designer and it has these chrome taps with crystals and diamonds and solid copper everywhere and... Yeah, it, it looks like a standard kitchen. And uh, this article literally takes the piss, saying uh, for anyone scoffing at their 50 grand kitchen, frankly, you're not trying hard enough or spending enough money. But the thing is, right, most of us wouldn't aspire to a million pound kitchen. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be interested. I just, even if I was a billionaire, I don't think I'd bother with a billion pound, a million pound kitchen because 
I'm not that bothered. But I'd probably go for a 100K kitchen or a 200K kitchen because it'd have things in it that I could really fucking use, you know, like a, a top-of-the-range oven with millions of different fucking shelves and things, in, you know, because I like cooking. There's a natural limit for all of us what we are prepared to pay is what, is what we value. But the point is... You don't have to be selling low end or, or going for the chavvy buyers just because they're in front of you. Go, but, you know, here's something, right? Selling at a low price to a cheap buyer is a little bit like having a shit in your pants because that's just about where your ass happens to be when you need a shit. Yeah. Yeah. But it can take a bit of time and effort, like you do when you need a shit, to find somewhere appropriate to put it. Well, do the same with your sales, you know? <laughs> I know it's a crude analogy, but it works. It's I mean, there's an easy way. Never mind that. Never mind. Let's, we're not going to go to a, a million pound kitchen or even a 100K kitchen. Let's talk about going from, say, a 5K to a 10K. Or in terms of what Zach's doing, going from a 4K bathroom to a 7K bathroom. And he's exactly the same. He's just put his prices up. That's the first thing you can do. Just ask for more money. Just say the words. You know, the, the, the three easiest ways to raise your prices, the very easiest of all, is to say the words £7,000 instead of £4,000. You've got to change one word. You just change a four for a seven. You know, the space between them on the keyboard is about two and a half inches between a four and a seven. No, four and a seven, but there are two inches. You know, that's all it is. Here's a fucking true story for everyone listening to this. I once, because of the exchange rate at the time, I nearly doubled my prices by accident. Guy asked me for a quote on a sales letter. I sent back and I said, yeah, that will be, I think it's $4,000. And he came back, sorry, I not doubled it. I added 50% to my prices, beg your pardon. Um, and he came back and he said, he said yeah, that's 6,700 something dollars. And I thought, what? I still think there's no way. That's not even close. What happened there? So I looked back at my original email and what I'd done, I'd accidentally put the pound sign in instead of a dollar sign. So I quoted him 4,000 pounds. He'd gone away and done the exchange. It was a good exchange, right? It came back at 6,700 something dollars. And he just said, yeah, go ahead. Uh, that was the moment, I, I re- that was before I left the UK, I, I realised how elastic price was. Because otherwise, I'd, he thought I'd charged him $2,700 more than I actually had, and he just went for it straight away, which still tells me I didn't charge enough. Yeah, yeah. That was and he paid it, and, 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 and it was a great success. We filled a, a 50-seat seminar in nine days at 3K a pot. So he made 150K out of it. A good ROI. Not bad. And then on the back of that, he sold... 90% of the room on a $1,500 a month continuity program. So he was well pleased with the, the work I've put in for him. So it's just as simple as that. Ask for more money. I've Everyone done, do it. I have a similar, not, I'll tell you what, it's not even similar, but I've got a pricing story that people should be able to <clears throat> relate to. Facebook marketer, young, prices started at 500. Everyone said yes. Was told I was far too cheap by you and several others. So I doubled it to a grand. Every other sales opportunity, everyone said yes. So I doubled it again to two grand. Everybody said yes. I went from 500 to two grand in the space of a month and a half. And no price resistance, yeah. Not once. I remember. Not not once. Not one bit of price resistance. I would actually say the people, when you were charging them more, people probably felt better about it. Yeah, yeah, because they, 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 I didn't know my own value, but they knew the value I was bringing them because they could see it in the fucking ROI. Well, it's also, it's also in terms of you feel more comfortable because you feel saying it's 2K a month makes you seem much more trustworthy than 500 a month. Far more capable, far more Because you're obviously confident about what you're doing because, you know, I assume you know about, I know, I know you do, but I mean, as a buyer coming to you, I would assume you know about ROI. Well, that kind of tells me you know about ROI. Yeah. You're only charging me 500 quid. I'm thinking, well, you don't really yeah. understand the ROI. Yeah, so therefore you don't that, understand that. That's advertising. almost a subconscious thought process, but it's there. It is, and, that, and that's, how the, that's how the clientele you want to be chasing think. I remember I was in a room with you and several other elites at the time, and I said the £500 
price point was, you know, what I was charging. And everyone laughed. I was told to double it there and then. So I did. And then at the end, even after these people had told me to double it, they said, so, so when can we start? And they were the ones that just told me to double it because they felt better giving me a grand than 500 because it was the top of the top clientele. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember telling you there's a, a lady used to do some work for me and it's not quite the same as premium pricing, although I did tell her to charge you more, but she struggled. She had a bad back injury. I bought her office chair. She wasn't an employee or anything, but I just paid up my own pocket for her to have a chair, $250 she was in the States, an expensive chair. And she said, why are you doing this? I says, because what it means is it means you can give me a better service. Yeah. I'm not asking you to, not asking you to pay me back, you know, and if I don't agree, you, and it's yours to keep forever, but it means that yeah. when you're doing my work, you're more comfortable. You can focus more on giving me quality work. Mm-hmm. You can't believe it. And selfishly, so, you'll get preferential treatment. You should always pay people more when you can. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get, here's a tip for everyone. If you want to get extremely good service at a restaurant, assuming it's a good restaurant, not just any old cheap place, you want to work so well. But any good restaurant, pay your waiter the tip before he starts serving you the meal. Yeah. Yeah. No, just fold it up, stick it in that top pocket. What can I get you, sir? Yeah, it's say, it's like, great. It's great. I think that is in case I forget later. So uh, we've gone on massive tangents already. So the first way to uh, ask for more money <laughs> is to ask for more money. And yeah. the second way is to the experience. What do you mean? Just by make that? it better. I mean, and there's so many ways of doing that. I mean, it, it depends what you're doing. Mate of mine, Charles. Manson? No, he's dead now. <laughs> anyway, um, can't be his fucking. Name. It's Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Someone is a is a de- dentist. It doesn't matter. Charlie Martin, Charlie there Martin, go. over in the states. Um, dentist does the Invisalign braces. You know, mm-hmm. so just if you're just selling Invisalign braces, there's probably uh, a natural limit to what you can sell them for because other people are selling Invisalign braces for a certain amount. Let's say so you're comparing like for like. So what he did, he improved the increase and improved the experience of going to his uh, dental practice. And what he did, he turned his waiting room into a fucking arboretum with giant trees in it and had a full-time concert pianist to give the place a nice ambience. The dentistry is the same. The experience of going to the dentist is something else. Another dentist would had a card for it he used to do with children and a... Uh, got the card stamped and if you got the card full he would buy the child a bike but again that's improving experience because because the child ended up wanting to go to the dentist because he or she knew he or she would be getting a bike at the end of it so all the resistance went to going to the dentist which meant it was easy for the parents too um and and another dentist going mommy i want to go to the dentist Kind of, yeah. You know, I mean, I was never a problem going to the dentist, but I know some kids, are, you know, even some adults, are, are afraid of it. Um, that other dentist, Paddy Lund in, in Australia, when you go to his thing, not only can you not just become a, a patient, you have to be referred, but you have to refer other patients too. It's part of the deal. But when you go to his practice, you're the only one in the building except for him and his assistant. And, you know, the, your name is on the waiting room door. And things. It's all about the experience. You could do that as a, you know, any, any healthcare practitioner could could take Paddy Lund's model and just do it. Anyone, straight away, copy. Um, in our business, we improve the experience with things like the mugs and the hats and the and the t-shirts printed on the front. Um, the 
the, the meetings we go to, the meal on, when we're at the meetings, things like that, you know? A, any business can improve the experience. Painters, decorators, any, any, anyone going B2C into a house to do trades work, if obviously you're looking at high end, so you're not just talking about putting a, a fucking plug in the wall for 50 quid. You know, you're doing a kitchen for 7K, you'd normally be selling them for 3K or 4K. Well, what you do then is maybe you give them a voucher to go out for a fucking meal on a Saturday night. It might cost you 100 quid, but you've just made 3K extra fucking profit. Yeah. We send them away for the weekend. It might cost you 300 quid. But again, you just made 3K profit. Um, you you just give the lady or get the lady sent round a bunch of flowers because everyone knows women love fucking flowers. And it's usually the woman who decided to have the kitchen, the bathroom or the bedroom. All that. I mean, these things are dead simple. So improve the experience. And if and again, if you're in trades, make sure all you guys wear a fucking branded uniform. Yeah, that, that, that's the fucking worst yeah, when they all turn it, up in their own scrappy gear. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't bother me. I'm a bloke. But women love that kind of shit. And it usually is the woman who's gonna, you're going to be dealing with. And it just looks more professional. Tuck Don't take me as being typical, because I'm not. You are? Tuck your shirt in. Get a fucking clipboard look presentable the amount of fucking tradesmen i see that just rock up in their shitty fucking clothes when they're they're they're, they're installing high-end kitchens is a joke it's a joke and what people will end up saying is it's, it's a good kitchen but i'm not yeah. sure i'd go back to him yeah i mean it's not something that would concern me as, as, a, as a client or as a customer but i'm not typical um mm -hmm. make sure the vans are tidy and clean inside and out yeah you know, yeah, so yeah. the van isn't just a fucking the side of the van doesn't look like my office. You know, <laughs> yeah. Don't tell, <laughs> yeah. stuff that's, that's nailed in in case it falls out and you're in the fucking door. You know, a dirty all, all white van things. on your drive. No Don't let your guys smoke in the vans, certainly within view view of the clients. Like just yeah. things like that. They don't go for a drink at lunchtime and stink of booze in the afternoon. Whether they're mm. drunk or not, it's not the point. Very small things to improve the experience. Is some of it rational and reasonable? No. But hey, you want to sell 7K kitchens to 14K, maybe that's going to work. And other things too. Well, kitchens, you know, fucking Zach's kitchen start at 20K now. Previous client started oh, at good. 15. The, the bathroom start at seven. And uh, one, talking to Zach whilst we're here, uh, one little thing that Zach did to improve the experience is uh, when he's sending his quotes out now with his action plan, and everything uh, it all comes in eco-friendly packaging and a hand knitted uh home oh, sweet fine. home little thing uh and chocolates when he does the kitchens he sends out a well, in fact he has told me not to talk about this too much but he sends out a very impressive kit uh, yeah we won't has, talk about it because that's yeah. what people should pay for yeah, yeah, it's yeah. definitely not the, the kitchen thing as well because that's fucking epic and Zach's super happy and super proud of it with that. He's like, don't be telling anyone this for free. It's I'm right, brilliant. I'm right. And this stuff is all easy to do, but most guys will look at it and say, oh, I don't do that, it costs money. And the only reason they, they care about that is because their margins are so fucking shit anyway and they're selling on price. If you're selling a kitchen, you would have been happy to sell at 4K and you're selling it for seven. Even if you spent a whole thousand pounds on improving the experience, which would be way over the top, but if you did, you're still two grand up, free money. You know, you're a fucking idiot if you don't do this. But of course, what do we know, Connor? Because we're not tradesmen. Oh, yeah. You know? The fact we've been doing this for fucking years and we've got the results we fucking get from these stupid fucking people who don't listen. And the third thing, of course, 
Hey, but that's cool, man. Input experience. And, and here is one that will probably be the most contentious for some people, especially social justice fucking cunting warriors. Tell to better people. Yeah. yeah. And let's just be clear about something. Just tell my funny to wrong. We're not talking about people's intrinsic worth it. No, we're not fucking eugenicists. <laughs> Wait till you about, sit back down. <laughs> we are not talking about people rounding up in gas chambers or no? giving them preferential fucking treatments in the law or in fucking the healthcare system at all. We're talking about people who are better qualified to be your clients. And that's people who are willing to wear with them to spend high-end dollars on your shit. Yeah. So when you get people, when you get, you know, don't cater to, don't aim your messages at or respond to or engage with Poundland buyers if you're a fucking high-end Mayfair sex toy shop selling $13,000 dildos. Just don't. Yeah. Pointless. You're not you're not required to. You know, it's quite and the easiest way to do this is to have it all out there in your messaging. And the and some of the simplest things you can do is say, our kitchens, which could be bathrooms, rewires, bedrooms, <laughs> garden landscaping, roofs, wall, whatever, our shit starts at five thousand pounds, our shit starts at fifteen thousand pounds, our shit starts at thirty thousand pounds. And explicitly say, do not inquire if this is a problem. Yep. Not only will you then quite rightly repel the, the 5K buyers, which is great, and you'll piss them off and you'll get people posting about you on Facebook and things. And maybe which somebody, is all great. Which is way. all great. Rich people are elitist bastards. And you get people on LinkedIn saying, I saw this, I saw this plumber saying he wouldn't do anything in a house for less than five thousand pounds. Ha ha ha, what a joke. Oh shit, my clients are really bad and I'm never getting paid. You know, let them, let them do it. What they say and think and do is nothing to do with you, it's none of your business. But you will not only repel those people and piss off your competition, which is all a good thing, you will positively fucking attract people like me and Connor who like to pay a lot of money for decent shit. Yeah. We do. I don't. When, I, when, I, when someone charges me a lot of money for doing a good job, I don't resent it at all. I like it. Yeah, it's good. You feel it's safe, looked after. I've worked with an expert. I've had my hand held through the experience. It's yeah. wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. And it? people with people have got the money to spend. Like knowing they've got the money to spend. Yeah, you can call them arrogance if you fucking like. So what? I just said, fucking rich people with a lot of money in their back pocket. Yeah, are often elitist bastards. And I know fucking a lot of people are going to go, well, my uncle Dave's really rich and he's nice as pie. I bet you he's an elitist bastard when it comes to things he cares about. Because yeah. anyone with money that can be an elitist bastard about the things they care about will be, whether it's their kids, their running, their computers, their cars, their fucking paintings, their kitchens, their bathrooms, whatever it fucking is. They've got money in their back pocket. They are willing to spend a stupid premium on it. And because... They're happy to spend that much money on it. They're going to be much quicker to refer. The referrals are going to be of better quality because of the circles they roll in. The experience of delivering the work is going to be a lot better. It, I know this doesn't make sense to a lot of people, and it must sound like an oxymoron, but the people that buy cheap are so much harder to please, so yeah. much fucking harder. We, we've said this the last five episodes, the fucking £500 client. I'm trusting you with my life. Oh, yeah. my God. Make sure you make my life change. The, the 50 grand client, money set. Right. It's exactly right. 
And, and the other thing is this, and this is a you know, it's taking a step back up a level of abstraction. These rich people, these affluent people who will pay 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100K for a kitchen, bathroom, bedroom, whatever. If you don't sell a kitchen, bathroom, bedroom to them at that price, someone else will. Mm-hmm. You're not doing it, won't stop them buying. That just means they'll go to someone else, some some competitor of yours who's got more fucking balls than you have to do it. Yeah. You, know, you, you selling to the low end thinking you do everyone a favour, it, it changes nothing. Mm-hmm. It's, changes nothing. It's, it's silly. And then, and then another quick but, way but, to make fucking easy money is upselling other products. All right, you've got a lovely new kitchen. Uh, I hope you don't mind, but I've taken the liberty to give you a concept bathroom that matches the kitchen. Yeah. I, just, I did this design for you. What do you think? Yeah. Matches help the, with once the wallet's opened, it's, it stays open. It's like it a good one, isn't it? Really? I mean, <laughs> getting a woman to spread her legs for you can be a challenge. Once she's done it once and she's experienced the benefits yeah. of your manhood, she can't keep them fucking closed. Yeah, she's not. That's just my experience with women. That's just my experience. I chuckled earlier when you was talking about you might spend a hundred grand on a kitchen. I was thinking if John could make his life, if John was spending a hundred grand on a kitchen, he'd have one of those ladder things that they have in libraries that just go round the sides, so you could reach the top shelf. You're too right. Too right. Um, for the for the for the watcher and listener, I'm only five foot five. Poor baby. Well, actually, but five foot four and seven eighths. But there you go. <laughs> but you do have a secret. Secret. The I do. I have the best, the best kept secret of premium pricing. Most people don't get it. I mean, they think it's all about going from say. This is a good example. Say you're selling your kitchens at four k and you want to sell them at seven. How do you do it? Well, you can jump straight to seven, and I would recommend you do if you've got the balls to do it, but you probably feel uncomfortable. So here's what you do. Increase by 10%. I'm guessing on the margins most kitchen fitters are working out at, that's going to increase your profits by about anything from 40 to 50 to 60%, because your margins are going to be small, I guess, for most people. And then after you've done maybe three or four kitchens, maybe, maybe do this every month, all right? Maybe do this every month or every couple of weeks. When you've done a lot of kitchens and you've had no price resistance, just like, Don, just like Donna, Connor, increasing his prices, do it again. And keep ratcheting the price up. And eventually you will get to a point, and, and this is like doing anything else. So don't improve the experience. I'd strongly suggest you sell to better people as soon as you can, because you just have a better experience. I and mean, if you didn't do that, just increasing your prices will, will actually ensure some of that anyway, because the crappier people will just drop out. But what you'll find is you'll better increase your prices and do nothing else except increase your prices for some good while, maybe three or four times, maybe adding, you know, 10%, 10%, 10%. I mean, I can't do the compound interest thing in my head when I'm talking, but you know, you would increase your prices until you get to a point where you will start getting some resistance, natural resistance. Now, that's when you'd start doing things like really focusing on a better client, really focusing on improving the experience. But for most people, it's just a case of increase your price, increase your price, increase your price until you get resistance. And when you get resistance, you've got a choice. You can either do those other things, improve the experience, improve the quality of your buyer, or you could just drop your price back to where it was before you started getting resistance and trundle on then for a little while. And just while you get your bearings and enjoy the extra money, a lot of extra money. It's called the price racket. And it works. I mean, you've proved it yourself. You doubled your price distance. Mm-hmm. That's the, that is a good example of the price ratchet. Doubled it and doubled it. Yeah. I would say most people listening to this, not everyone, so please, if it's not you, I'm not interested. I would say most people, though, at least half, that's a conservative guess, could probably double their prices and not get too much resistance. Not to the point where it becomes a major business issue. They'll be making more money without a doubt. Because as I I showed in last week's training um, with that graph, if you increase your prices by 10% on a 35% markup, 
you can afford to lose something like 30% of your sales, 40% of your sales without losing income. And I did a graph of percentage of sale, sorry, percentage of volume sales, um, and then your price increase. And you know, you increase your, you increase your price by something like 50%, you can lose a massive amount of your traffic, your sales, mm-hmm. and still make the same amount of money. It's ridiculous by increasing your prices, that is. So you can increase your price by, say, 20%. You lose maybe 30% volume, 50% volume of sales and still make more money or make the same money. It's ridiculous. The numbers, they're not intuitive at all. And life becomes so much easier. Hmm? You can get rid of the fucking staff that most business owners I speak to seem to fucking hate. They can rattle off fucking 80% of their workforce that they just want to get rid of, but they can't. You have less vans to service, less tools to replace, just less everything. And you're making... The same, if not more money. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing not to love about this. I'll give you an example from years ago, probably 13, 14 years ago now. And it's not nothing to do with the traits, but it doesn't matter. It, it's the same for any business, pretty much, because they'll all have this kind of profile somewhere. It was a guy who was, was, of all things, he was selling He was selling these cast iron, like, dinky toy type things, but the more expensive ones online. Yeah, that's what he was doing. And he had that's a shop. dinky toy. Dinky toy? What's a dinky? Oh, fucking hell. A dinky was a, a make of toy, like Tonka. You know a Tonka toy? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's Tonka's like the big trucks and things. They used to be made yeah, of metal. Yeah. A dinky was a little bit like that, but it was a small car with the fast oh, wheel. Oh, okay. Like Matchbox. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got it. And he was selling, so he was selling these model cars to Singapore and places all around the world. And he looked at his numbers and he realised in his sh- what it all came down to was the sales he made from his shop in Nottingham counted for only ten percent of his income, and ninety percent of his income was online. And most of that, eighty percent of that, ninety percent was to Singapore. And I said to him, "Why on earth have you got this shop? You're spending five days a week. So it was actually six. Okay, so you're spending six days a week in your shop." Working on your computer, waiting for the door to open and selling 90% of your stuff all around the world. Why don't you just do it out of your dad's bedroom or garage or rent an office and do away with the shop, which was expensive because it was in a, it was a shopping centre. And he said, can I do that? Who's going to stop you? And I said, yeah. I said to him, let me ask you another question. And I said, are you prepared to lose 10% of your income in return for getting back at least five days of your week and getting rid of that office? He said, yeah, of course I am. Well, there you go. That's how you do it. And he did it. Now, that's an extreme example. And that won't apply to everyone, but the principles will will apply to everyone. We have all got these fucking 80, 20 points in our business. And we can say, I ain't doing that. Fucking hell. Even the website design I worked with 13 years ago, I said to him, get rid of all these shitty clients that are on 500 pound a month, 500 pound a year retainer, get rid of them all, legacy clients, and focus on the new high quality business. Can I do that? Yeah, of course you can. So yeah. Yeah, and he was, you know, obviously he had to honor any contracts he had, but he got rid of these people. And he said, it's, everyone's so much happier because we spend 80% of our time dealing with these <laughs> shitty fucking low end clients. Well, you know, you, people listening to this are doing this themselves. They're spending most of their time driving around in their van, going from site to site to site to estimate to estimate to estimate, where even when they do the estimate, they know it's a shit job, but they still go through with it. Like some feeling of obligation. Why, why? Qualify these cunts way up front. And if it doesn't look like being a good job on paper, don't go. Say no. Yeah. Not I'm not driving for 20 miles to do an hour's work, to come back to office, do another hour's work, sending out a quote, only to get it either at a low price or not get it at all. Not doing it. Not interested. Bollocks. Bollocks. I'd rather spend that hours listening to John and Connor thinking of five different ways I can grow my business this week. A much better investment of your time. We've given them fucking three. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we've given them four and we're about to give them a fifth. So for the ambitious minded that are listening to this, that are and thinking right. For the ambitious thinkers, how the fuck do you do that? Well, first thing you do is almost turning on the head, 
what I said, because I mean, for anyone who's struggling, increasing your price is a no-brainer. If you want to do this really, really properly, you do three things. Okay, the first thing you do, other than this is as well as increasing your prices. So that, that's the fate to complete. That, yeah, everyone must be, must be doing that. First thing is you pick an affluent target market. There's no point in targeting chavy people to sell expensive kitchens to. Now, if you want to sell to chavy people, sell cheap kitchens. If you want to sell cheap kitchens, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. You just are. I remember that before the lady who was a graphic designer, school teacher, come graphic designer, she wanted, to, she wanted to bring high quality graphic design, make it available to everybody, make it affordable to everyone. Well, she went back to being a teacher. You can't do it. You just can't. You know, you end up with shitty clients. So pick an affluent target market. No matter where you are in the country, you will have affluent postcodes within your reach. You're in Leicester, you've got Loughborough, parts of Loughborough anyway, you've got Knighton, Evington, probably Oadby, and places that's if you're living in Leicester. Every town will be the same. You've got affluent postcodes within reach. Pick an affluent target market and focus on them. Second thing is be upfront about your prices. We start our kitchens, our bathrooms, our bedrooms, our work start at 5K, 10K, 15K, 20K, 100K, whatever it is. Don't bother us otherwise. Yeah, you are. Yes, you. people say, yeah, but I'm putting people up, I'm, I'm restricting my market. Yes! Fucking bingo! How well spotted was that, mate? Have a fucking ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding. You've just got a fucking O level in the bleeding obvious. <laughs> right? They're A levels now, mate. Okay, I'm showing my age. I got. I, I was well, last year to take O levels. I think so, yeah. Did you do that before or after you came back from the war? <laughs> Yours, mate. So be upfront about your prices. Brag about them. Push them in people's faces. Use them as a buffer between you and the chavs. You've seen the way the police got these fucking great big clear plastic <laughs> riot shields. Your prices are your fucking riot shields to keep the chavs at bay. Yeah. And the third thing you do is you improve the experience. And to kind of wrap that up, offer what we call an opaque and unique experience. Now, by unique, I mean have an arboretum like guy, have the have the concert pianist, send the lady and the gentleman of the house away for the weekend while you decorate it, send the dog into kennels. Have all the, the upholstery cleaned, the carpets cleaned. Um, obviously, send the kids with them. Maybe send them to Centre Park if it's a family. Okay, that kind of thing. That that is unique. And then that also goes to make it opaque, meaning they can't say this is a five-pound plastic rabbit dildo. This is a ten-pound plastic rabbit dildo. They're both plastic rabbit dildos. Why is this one ten pounds and this five? I go for the five-pound one. Okay, you're not just decorating a house, building a bedroom, adding a kitchen, doing a bathroom, doing the landscaping. You're not just doing that. You're offering an opaque experience, which is an all-encompassing experience. It's unique. No one else can do it. And because it's opaque, it completely masks the price. They can't say, well, Fred down the road will do a bathroom and it's a lot less. Yeah, but Fred doesn't do what we do. Hmm. Fred doesn't look after you, send you flowers, send you away for the weekend with the kids to centre parks. You know, send you, bring you back there and back in a limo. They don't do that. You don't want that. That's fine. You just, just get the cheapo version. We don't care. We only do quality stuff and that starts with the limo when it takes you away for the weekend and you come back and everything's done. In the limo, you come back, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah, it might cost you a thousand quid, but you've just sold a 20 grand kitchen, which would normally cost someone maybe fucking 10. You know, that's how you do it. So pick an affluent market, be upfront about your prices, use them as that fucking riot shield and offer an opaque and unique experience. And now the detail of how to do that, well, if you want us to help you with that, then that's when you have to join us because we don't give away that shit for free. I'm autistic, not stupid. (laughs) You're autistic, you're not stupid, but are you angry? Yes. You are, so we're doing a one minute hate today. I'm doing a one minute hate today. Okay, so we've we've got over. I haven't done a one minute hate for two days and I've missed it. Two days? Yeah. First day with Holly, I was so tired. And then yesterday, I had a fucking split and headache. <laughs> These one-minute hates really kill you. <laughs> they do. They do. It's hard to pretend to be angry, you know. Uh, ready? Well, yeah, because I also, again, for the listeners, 
from the watchers. I have three things. Well, I say I have three things wrong with me. Other people tell me <laughs> more than that. But one is I'm autistic. Mm-hmm. The second thing is I have a thing called alexithymia. And alexithymia, mm-hmm. well, I'll come to that alexithymia in a minute. I have executive dysfunction, which makes it very hard for me to follow a plan. I'm great at making plans for myself and especially for others. I'm great at helping each other with, with others with accountability. But there are days, and please, if you're a mindset person, just fuck off. Fuck off some more and keep fucking off until you're fucked off as far as, as, far as possible. It is to fuck off, all right, and stay there. Because this is not a mindset issue. But there are days I can sit in front of my desk and I cannot do any work. I just can't. Because it's executive dysfunction, the, it's a, a mo- it's a, a thing in the brain. Yeah, I can't get started. It's like Parkinson's in in that respect, but it's cognitive. It's not it's not physical. That's executive dysfunction. But the third thing, or the second thing, I mentioned it was alexithymia, which means I I don't I, I'm not aware of my own feelings. That they're still there somewhere. But for me to feel an emotion it has to be really really strong. So if I'm actually feeling angry, I'm really angry, almost uncontrollable. Otherwise, I don't know it's there. Same with stress. This is why I used to drink so much because it's my response reaction to stress is not to worry and fret or panic or pace or any, all these things that people do. My reaction would be to drink, but I don't know why I'm drinking. I don't think, Christ, I need a drink because I'm stressed or I'm going to punch someone because I'm angry. I just can't explain it. Yeah, it's, it's a drink, need a drink. Kind of. Uh, and people say to me, um, and this is why I have an, uh, 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 an epic resting bitch face because my default state is literally flat inside so it's not numb yeah it's just flat it's nothing i don't feel anything i'm not feeling any aware of any emotion right now i'm just me okay now to people who who live neurotypical who live on this emotional roller coaster that won't make any sense you think how can that be well i i myself would say well how can you be on this fucking emotional roller coaster i don't get that either so when like when my mum and dad died my parents died i felt nothing when shit goes wrong i very rarely respond other than just to get on with it this is what makes stoicism so easy for me Mm-hmm. You know, but the thing to be clear about is these reactions are still inside of me somewhere. So I have to be very careful about them. Because if I have constant pressure in one direction, so a lot of stress in one direction for a long period of time, that can cause real problems. That can bring on anxiety, which is a real problem for me at times. Oh, John, though, you shouldn't fucking label yourself. Now that brings me to the one minute hate. <laughs> you see uh, what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. Fucking hell. I've seen it recently, sir. So are we ready for this? Oh, you've seen it recently? Mm. What? Not, not to to me, but not okay. to me, no, no. People have got more fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hey Siri. Yeah, I'm autistic. One, you have minute to do that one minute starting now. Right. People who say autism is just a label. I want to take those people out into the woods, shoot them, bury them in a shallow grave, dig them up a week later, shoot them a second time, then leave them out for the fucking dogs because they are the worst people on earth. They're worse than Hitler. They're worse than Mao Zedong. They're worse than fucking Genghis Khan. They really are. Because to say it is just a label is almost to deny my identity completely. Why? Because I am not a person with autism. I am an autistic person. It is not a label. It's integral to who I am. If I was not autistic, I'd be a completely different person. It's fundamental to my brain wiring. It's like saying a Macintosh is a label. Or a Windows machine is just a label. No, it isn't. It defines the fucking computer. In the same way as if you said to someone who was black, don't let your blackness define you. Or a gay person, don't let your gayness define you. It's just a label. They would tear your fucking head off and shit down your neck. And quite rightly too. Because they would say, but I am a black man or a black woman. And I have been looked down upon and treated badly all this time. Or fucking gay people would say, we've been fucking marginalised all these years. It used to be illegal. I like having a dick up my ass." Honestly, people say that. And the other people will say, I'm not ranting now, but people also say, it's along the same lines, don't let your autism define you. What the fuck? 
these are the, often the same, by the way, and this is what really makes my fucking head explode. The people who will say, don't let your autism define you, are also the same kind of people who read the Daily Mirror and crack on about how they're English, don't want these wogs over here, don't want immigrants, we're English, who are then defining themselves by a label which is even more stupid because their label they're defining themselves by is an area of geography. Your parents happen to fuck in England and you were pushed out of your mother's vagina in England and you are now somehow making a big deal of that. I've got this thing inside me which is actually a massive part of me and you're telling me that's not relevant? That's how stupid people are and we have to share their oxygen. There are trees out there. There are trees out there being hard done by by making oxygen to let the cunts breathe. It's true. It's ridiculous. Fucking they, true, um... man. And there's people say it, that say it about all sorts of disability, not saying autism's a disability, but I've seen well, it, it is, with technically it, uh, it, it is, yeah. That's defined, yeah. But I've seen it on posts before where this, I think it's a man with no legs lost it to a meningitis or something, and he's a, he, he's a pretty decent runner with his stumps. Fair play. And uh, there, there was these comments like, fair play to, to him not letting his uh, disabilities define him. It's like, you're so stupid, aren't you? Yeah. You do not see how stupid your comment looks right now. What they're doing, and I'm sure they, they do it with the best of intentions. It's good-natured. Well, yeah, it's yeah. stupid. Yeah. When people do it, what they're saying is, that they're almost saying... We're gonna <laughs> tre- we're gonna, sad, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're going to treat you as if you're as if you're almost normal. Yeah. It, it, almost as if you're like the rest of us, just as good as we are. I don't need you to tell me that, you fucking neurotypical twonk. <laughs> I really don't, you know? It's fucking insulting. I don't mind being insulted, but I'll call people out on it. It's like when they say to me, and I've had this said to me before as well, you don't look autistic. Well, you don't look like a complete fucking idiot, but hey, here we are. <laughs> that goes down really badly because they don't know how to respond to it. Of course they don't because they're in their mind, they're worried about looking like the guy who's upset the little autistic man because of... <laughs> the little angry autistic man. Yeah, because of the misconceptions they hold around yeah. disabilities in general. Yeah, th- these people are often pure idiots who have faced little to no hardship in their life apart from shit dinners from their mothers. I've also been told, almost in a challenging way, but you don't fit the stereotype. Oh, for fuck's sake. As if that's my problem. That's You're the one who's got the fucking stereotype in your head, yeah. man, not me. I'm sorry if I'm not behaving in the way you expect me to. Forgive me for being individually fucking autistic. Imagine, <laughs> Honestly. Imagine them having the audacity to say that to like a black person. Oh, I know, like, I know. So try it with Drew next time. When are you speaking to Drew next? Uh, Tomorrow. Friday. Uh, just say to him, hey, Drew, mate, you, know, you act like a white person, you know? <laughs> I would never know you were black unless I'd seen you. You're just like a white person. <laughs> But that's the kind of shit they come out with, these people. Yeah. I think that's why we get on, because you're not actually black, are you? Not really. <laughs> not really black. No. <laughs> I ain't seen Drew for ages. Or, or, or Terry, I really like we Terry. Need, we need to set up a call with those two, but let's wrap yeah. this up. In fact, yeah, I've not spoken to them since the last time we did that. Did we do all four of us do it together, didn't we? Or was yeah. it just me, me, Terry and Drew? I can't remember now. No, it was all four. That's right. I haven't spoken to either of them since then. I mean, I speak to, I, I kind of swap messages with Drew on WhatsApp most days. I, ain't spoken, I, like, I really like Terry. Terry's a really nice bloke. I love both of them. They're both good blokes. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. Go on. Well, that's why I'm just thinking about Terry now. He invited me to a 60th birthday. I couldn't go. Oh, it's fucking years ago now. Anyway. I was going to say. That's, that's if you want to make more money. Yeah, about five years, four years in this, you know, June the 13th. We have got an event on Wednesday, the 24th of February at 5.30 p.m. And what I'm doing is I'm going through this shit, this how to sell at higher prices in your competitors without losing sales, except the ones you want to lose because dealing with these people is worse than fucking cleaning your scrotum with a wire brush. Go to growyourbusinessfast.co.uk forward slash free hyphen event. 
and you can join us. It's completely free. There's no selling on the webinar at all. So you can leave your purse and your coat, your pocket or your wallet. That's growyourbusinessfast.co.uk forward slash free hyphen event. No, free training. Shit, free training. Link down below anyway. Free hyphen training. If you want to make more money with less work, less hassle and fewer headaches and attract better clients, sell them higher prices and have it all fed through a pipeline which is turgid and moist and itself filled in the background on autopilot, hands off. Then go to growyourbusinessfast.co.uk forward slash SSQ. That's Sierra Sierra Quebec. And take the sales certainty quiz because that will, this high price thing is predicated on a whole sequence of things. The tracks of use and sell all working together. And the sales certainty quiz will show you where your leaks are in that process. And then you'll know what to work on, how to work on it, where to fix it, and get this thing flowing smoothly. Yeah? Trust us, we're doctors. Well, we're not, but you can trust us anyway. In the meantime, stay safe, stay inside, wash your hands, do not let your autism define you, and do not shit on your fingers. See you later. Ta-da.